Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the clouds. Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the class. Entrepreneur, writer, and model Charlie Howard joins me this week on HATC Podcast. We talk about the challenges that can present for those who are struggling with eating disorders, how Charlie is inspiring women to embrace their bodies, and how creating Squish gave her a new lease of life. Thank you for joining me. No, it's going to be really chill. Um, Let's take you back to the very beginning then. I think that's a really good place to to start as always. Um, I wanted to speak to you about your original modelling company that you were paired with Mm. um, and the fact that they basically ended the contract based on the fact that you were too big. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a, a delicate subject, but I remember seeing a picture come out and it was to do with their comment. And I remember looking at you, and this was years ago, um, yeah, and thinking, I yeah. Think, yeah. And how old was that? I don't even know how old I was in 2015, 20 maybe. Um, and thinking, this is too big. Like, it, it, you didn't look big at all. Mm. You were really slim in it i i personally thought um and obviously for for people to see that themselves they have their own reactions and and kind of knee-jerk reactions where they're like that's a load of bullshit basically but what was that moment like for you Mm. when you heard that with your experiences with eating disorders yeah well i was very much in denial that i had an eating disorder which you know many people are when you when you are anorexic Mm. or bulimic bulimia was the predominant one, I think, um, and the thing that I was struggling with the most. And I felt completely alone because I had a boyfriend at the time who would kind of, wasn't very supportive and kind of mocked it. So he'd say things like, um, yeah, go on, go make yourself sick again or something instead of like addressing the issue. So for me, it was like this, this deep rooted shame and bulimia especially is completely surrounded in shame. So I was, um, yeah, represented by this model agency and it was this. It was this real mind. I'm not going to say mind fuck. But I was going to say mind yeah. fuck. Where, um, you know, it was my biggest dream, and I thought that the moment I signed with the model agency, 
that was going to be it. All my dreams were going to come true. And it just didn't work out like that. You know, yeah, you get signed, but there are thousands of girls all across London signed to an agency. It doesn't mean you're instantly going to become Bella Hadid or Kate Moss. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of hard work. And the majority of people who do make it are so, so, so insignificant. Mm. I mean, you know, it's one of those industries where a bit like acting or becoming a musician, just because you're signed to an agent or a top agency or whatever it is doesn't mean that you're gonna end up going places so anyway I've been doing this for about by this stage probably about five years with how them. would you come into it had you, you said it's it's been a dream and it yeah. always been a dream that you something you'd looked at or probably from about the age of 15 I think I um I like you probably would pick up fashion magazines back in the day and um, celebrity magazines, you know, Instagram didn't exist, social yeah. media didn't exist, and that was your only way of, of getting media, obviously. And I used to look at it, and I think it used to transport me into a world of glamour and would remove me from my, how I viewed it, you know, very boring life and transport me into this into this glamorous one. So that was what I really focused on. And, and what was really weird is that as a teenager, I would be scouted. So my dad had a had um, a flat in Pimlico and I used to walk all the way down to Oxford Street and you know my dad would just let me do whatever I wanted basically on weekends and, and um, go to Camden and things like that and I would get scouted Topshop was a really big place to get scouted they wait outside up to the circus yeah, and the, and I know from the people it. we work with yeah, it's really it bizarre really weird they used to come over to you in Topshop and be like are you a model and they'd give you a card and you'd be yeah. like oh my god and um, and every time I would go back to these agents they would say oh you're you're too big um, but you know, once you get down to this size, then we can then we can talk about it. Then we can talk about it. So where was I going with this? Let me start again. So my friend sent my Facebook photos off to agencies, and he told me to lie about my age and say that I was eighteen instead of twenty one because twenty one by that point was still very old. Mm. So I was down to two agents. One of them was very big at the time in London, one of the biggest agencies. The other one was a more kind of boutiquey one. And the boutique one looked at me and said, we can work with you. I was about a size 8 to 10 at the time. We can work with this. Maybe a bit bigger, probably about a size 10. And the other one was like, no, you know, we'll only represent you when you get down to X measurements, which was 34-inch bust, 24-inch waist, and a 34-inch hip, which is a size 0. Or what? Actually, no, it's not. It's That's like the then Victoria's Secret yeah, measurements. It, it, it doesn't it? exist. You yeah. can't really get someone with a 34-inch bust and 34 inch hit. it just doesn't exist yeah. so you'd have to have a boob job I think to really get that so anyway I um signed with this more boutique agency and I didn't get any work and I thought that I would I thought that I was going to be you know next big thing or whatever like all these other girls do and you don't and it started off with we can work with your body shape down to you know why don't we go on go to the gym together or like why don't you know why don't you do these workouts together and I thought even then, like, I thought it was weird because these women were like in their 40s, had three kids, you know, were a lot, lot older than me. Um, and then it was the, the pressure started to become more and more. So they'd say, you know, we've got an agent from Japan in. So the Japanese market is renowned for being extreme when it comes to body shape. So they would, I mean, like literally measuring people's wrists to make sure they haven't put on weight, weighing them when they go into agencies, blah, blah, blah. So they had like an agent from Japan come in and then in the same week they'd get someone from Miami to come over where Miami, the whole look is swimwear and it's about curves and boobs and you can have fake boobs, that's fine. Just, you know, you need to look 
thin but curvy. Didn't if that makes up. sense, which doesn't really yeah. make sense. So you'd have all, so your your brain was like one you know one week having to like not eat for the whole weekend because you want to be ready for this um, Japanese model scout coming over. And then having to try and look a bit more curvy, a bit more sexy. And you don't feel sexy. When you're in the midst of an eating disorder, you do not feel no. sexy. Um, and, you know, I remember one time an agent offering me a, a chocolate digestive. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I went to grab it. And then he'd be like, are you sure you want that? And it was just like all these kind of things. Or, you know, saying that we could go on a summer workout together. I mean, just like the most bizarre things. So my eating disorders became more and more stressful and I went to Paris for a while where it just became really really bad yeah. and I, I've posted some of the pictures recently on my yes, Instagram yeah. um and I was just living literally on an apple a bar of chocolate a couple yeah. of squares of chocolate a day um my you know my constant banging migraines just hair falling out no periods really bad skin bad breath bleeding gums I mean just all just so unglamorous yeah. that you can imagine. So anyway, this went on for about four years. I wasn't making any money. Um, everyone was just becoming irate with me. They're like, you need to get a proper job, which is fair enough. You know, you need to just give this up. But there was still this part of me that was like, I want to make it. And the only person who is going to make that happen is me. No one else is going to make that happen. No one else can starve themselves. No one else can get down to size zero or size UK six, whatever it is. This all comes down to me. So um, I really struggled. And then this one day um, I did a job abroad and it was for a new e-com website. E-com was becoming quite a big thing. And actually at the time, that's where girls were making a lot of the money. I flew abroad to do this e-com thing and it was hell. It was like having to shoot 74 outfits or something within a day and do videos on, on top of that and you moving in it, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't fit into a pair of leather trousers. And for some reason, this triggered the client off. The client was livid that I couldn't fit into these trousers. So when I got back to London, I got a phone call from the agent saying, you know, there's been a few instance, instances like this, but, you know, we've just heard from the client that you couldn't fit into leather trousers. And I was like, leather obviously doesn't stretch, mm. does it? I mean, it's not very forgiving. No, it's not very no. forgiving. And also you tend to buy a size up anyway because yeah. it doesn't stretch. And um, they said, you know... We really appreciate how much you go to the gym, Charlie, but it just isn't going to work out for everyone. Modelling isn't for everyone. And I remember it was this really bizarre thing because even though I was like obviously very much in the midst of my eating disorders, there was a part of me that where I suddenly had this wake up moment in this bathroom and I was looking in the mirror and I was like, I'm a lot taller than most people. I'm thinner than most people that I know and most of my friends, of which, by the way, I didn't really have many of at the time because... Eating out. disorders, yeah, yeah, you just cut everyone out. Um, and I just felt like drained and I just thought I can't do this anymore. So I went on the tube that night and I wrote a, a letter. It wasn't really a letter, it was an Instagram post, um, a Facebook post. Yeah. I went on the train and I wrote a Facebook post. And um, before I knew it, it had gone viral and it just got shared and shared and shared. I went up for a bath, came down, it'd been shared like 250 times. Then it got shared more and more and more. And I just suddenly thought, oh, God, what have I done? And I was getting phone calls from people being like, you really need to take that down because you're, you're never going to work again. And I thought, well, actually, I don't want to be a model anymore. Yeah. Like that's I've literally reached my breaking point. I've done this for five years now. I've wanted it for 10 by this point. Mm. I mean, I've just 10 years like I've, I've I really, really wanted to make this happen. And I cannot give any more than what I'm doing. I'm literally fainting, you yeah. know, to make this happen. Anyway, the next thing you know is. 
it goes everywhere. It goes viral. This was at a time when things weren't really going as viral as they do nowadays. And it was so bizarre. I was like in the kitchen and there was this politics show and they had my photo. And um, and it was everywhere. It was in like, it was on like Pakistani news. It was in the Times. It was in obviously the Daily Mail. It was in like all these different places. And I, it was terrifying. I was like, I, I don't know what I've done. I've, I feel like I've ruined my life basically. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was the point that I was at. But I, I look at those photos now and I just think, oh my God, because it's so bizarre and I don't know if you you said that you had eating mm. issues as well so you'll probably get it but I look at those pictures now and with an older mindset I can see obviously that I was very underweight yeah with an eating disorder mindset I still think I can see why I thought I was fat because there was like a slight tummy yeah even though you can see the hip bones and you can see my literal ribs and my you know my chest bones and stuff my collarbone sticking out I look at it and, and my mind goes back to that time where I never felt good enough. Yeah. And eating disorders, you know, they, they stay with you forever. They're not something that just go away. And before we started recording, we were talking about this whole size zero mm. debate and how, you know, people are saying that it's coming back in fashion. But um, I really hope it isn't because, you know, so yeah. many women are so destroyed from that time. Um, and I was one of them. Yeah, I was praying it wouldn't come back in and Mm. it's weird I was saying to someone the other day that I started to get a feeling it was when I started to see fillers in people's you know certain celebrities with you know dissolving fillers that they have in certain Mm. parts of their bodies and um things like that where you start to think oh and also going back to that trend cycle again yeah and also the fashion weeks you know that whole y2k things coming back whatever it's called now it's what the kids are calling it y2k um (laughs) the early 2000s look yeah (laughs) but it's Um, interesting because we're seeing the the looks that we had when we were like you know the 90s the 2000s yeah coming back in swing and a lot of that is you know low riding skirts low riding jeans and very little to the outfit i mean i don't know if i'm just getting older but i i see a lot of young people um wearing not a lot yeah um and I would never feel comfortable I don't think I even would have felt comfortable in it back then well I didn't I mean I, I actually look back at some of the clothes and I think I didn't really like it back then no. and now it's all coming back yeah. it's really weird I remember it's like in the early you know 2000s the 80s fashion was back my yeah. mum was like what the hell and now, now <laughs> my parents it's like, like why is that coming back that was yeah, god awful so awful yeah. and now it's like the, the early noughties coming back but yeah it's um it's really weird, and I really bloody hope it doesn't come back. I hope so. Um, it's it's pretty terrifying, and I think as you say, these there's so many things that come with eating disorders. You know, in the terms of not just your physical and mental health, but the relationships you have with other people, and that how that disintegrates your yeah. life falls apart. I mean, I when I've had relapses, I, I can't eat out. I can't even sit and look at people eating. I yeah. would, and then you've somehow because um, I had issues with bulimia as well, and then you've got to somehow do that subtly um and it's not subtle no matter how much you think you're being subtle it's not um and that's really sad as well like you know you'll like regular things that Mm. people take for granted so house parties or going out for dinner for friends or or having or i don't know doing whatever it's ruined because your mind is constantly on when can i rid myself of this it's like i need to get rid of it i need to get rid of it and it's this over people that that don't have it will never get it but it's this overwhelming sense that you need to like purify yourself Mm -hmm. or rid yourself from everything so you know I'd go out for dinners and go to the toilet and make myself sick after spending however much on a meal that I couldn't afford and I felt 
a high pretty much for the first yeah. couple of minutes where you feel just exhausted and you you feel lightheaded and you feel redemption yeah i, yeah, I guess yeah a redemption thing i don't know what it is like like mm. clean yeah um and then that self-hate comes back again so it's just this, it's this cycle. cycle yeah this cycle 100 percent. and it especially i mean i can't have relationships at the time no i mean i could barely look at myself and undress myself anyway yeah. let alone have someone be intimate with anyone yeah whatever. yeah 100%, um, 100%. and my family noticed there are parts in the what the 27 years I've been here there are parts in the past 15 years where the family I disappear out the family photos Mm. I'm not in them Mm. because I can't bear to be in it and be seeing how I am at the time it's so weird that you said that because so I was dating this guy um last year Mm. um but he was like why are there no photos of you as a teenager and I'm like because I didn't take any. Yeah. I hated myself so much that I would not be in photos. I yeah. would not be in family photos. I wouldn't be in group photos. If ever there was Facebook photos taken, I would untag myself. Yeah. I did not want to be seen in any way, shape or form. So it's very interesting yeah. that you say that. So there's there's literally no photos of me as a teenager. Yeah. It's so weird. I've had like blackout spots for years. Yeah. On and off. Yeah. Um, when you... I know when it would happen, I'd have to the first thing I do would scrutinize, go on and be like, no, yeah. look too fat in that, so you've got to get rid of too it. Too fat, like, like yeah. oh, too much, you know, if there's a roll over your jeans, mm-hmm. which is like normal, or or if it's slightly taken at the wrong angle, yeah. it can just trigger you off and just totally. make you feel so bad. But that's obviously why now I really try to celebrate that yeah. and why, you know, the photos I post now are the images that I wish I'd seen as a teenager because... Yeah. I wish I'd seen girls that had stretch marks and that had tummy rolls and cellulite because that, to me, was the most disgusting thing a woman could have had yeah. as a teenager. Now, like you know, I, I see pictures of girls on Instagram who post about their acne. I've had acne struggles, and I'm like, oh my god, they're so brave because I could yeah. never do that. You know, I, I, as a teenager, I could never have done that, and I, I love seeing girls like that do that so I do think that Instagram also has got its positive sides oh definitely and I think you have to be really conscious of who you follow I mean yeah when I've done therapy they're like you whether you like the person or not you need to unfollow them you can't keep looking at that because yeah. it's not and I definitely made more effort to kind of sense myself in in what I was looking at um and the culture we consumed was different it was t- as you say before that we didn't really have social media until we were about, what mid-teens mm. um and fan culture fandom culture was so different you know the way you consumed it, it was magazines and yeah. fashion magazines and that billboards. was kind of our thing yeah, yeah. billboards especially and it just wasn't it's just not you know I, i've had some like younger girls message me and obviously you know image issues and, and body dysmorphia and everything it still runs rife yeah. now but i don't think they'll ever understand the level of not having access to you know choosing the choosing the the media you want to consume or the people you want to follow like it would just be skinny white women all the time so if you're not skinny if you're not white if you're not tall thin whatever or feel anyway attractive or blonde whatever it is then you're gonna feel shit about yourself Mm. and this is how these magazines made you feel 100% and I think also they did it in the way that um on social media you get these comparison videos which I find quite helpful is where on one you see them in a pose which is really flattering or might be and then the second where they're just sat normally yeah and we didn't have that I mean yeah we had billboards which were in a set position where they looked good to us yeah the the bones are jutting out yeah and, and I've seen that and I've you know I've seen photoshop and Obviously, you know, I can see what the magics of Photoshop can do. Mm. But I can also see the detrimental effects that Photoshop can have as well. And when I had my eating disorders, I would be like, oh, you know, please don't tell my agent, but will you please make me thinner? Will you please make me Mm. thinner? 
And so even now I look at some photos of me modeling and I go, was that my body even then? Or, yeah. or did they Photoshop it? Sometimes they just Photoshop you thinner without even asking. They just do it because yeah. that was just the look. Your, your mind just did not feel real and, and your thoughts did not feel real. And so you'd look in the mirror and be like so confused yeah. by what you saw. It's it's really it's really bad. And it's it's very much a lifelong, well, I would love it if it's not going to be a lifelong thing. Yeah. But it is an everyday battle. I don't, you know, these things don't leave you. I think once you get into a routine and habit with it, and it is a addictive, a lot yeah. of it. Um, you kind of have to battle that yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I know for some people listening, that will be heartbreaking. They might not be at that stage where they realize like this isn't just going away. It's, it's a management um, thing, I guess. Um, but I think the images like that you post are number one, extremely beautiful because they are what bodies should look like and and the little things that you see on it like you know whether it's cellulite or it's um a roll or whatever it might be that's natural it's beautiful extremely beautiful and if you look back to you know Greece in whatever yeah whatever age you know and even kind of a couple of I know a couple of hundreds you know ago there was curves were linked to you know they linked it to obviously uh women being fertile or whatever it is mm, but mm. that was more of the stance and we've just gone so far from that i mean yeah it's it's bizarre i um i love all those like statues and the, and the renaissance yeah. paintings and all of that and i try to take photos a that i would have liked to have seen growing up mm. and that i know girls like to see but it is for women it's not for men so I'm not doing it in like a sexual way and I know that some people are like oh you know there's um you know if if they think there's a sexual undertone it genuinely isn't I'm doing it for women and I don't care if men don't fancy me or that you know I get men all the time being like oh I look so ugly I'm like great thanks like what do you want me to say like it's not for you hun you know it's more like a it's not I I almost treated my Instagram really like a recovery journal because the minute I started posting slightly more in inverted commas, unflattering photos, it felt like a wave of relief. It's like, well, actually, is that the worst thing that can happen in the world? That you that you're not looking super skinny? No, but like, why do why do we make that into such an issue? Also, you know, I remember I had another agency at the time, a new one after that yeah. old one, and they were like, you know, we really think you should take those photos down. And I was like, no, actually, and I never took them down. Good. Um, because I was like, no, this is what I want to see. And it, and it, for the first time ever, my photos were resonating with people. Women would genuinely be like, oh my God, this is what my body looks like. Oh my God. And then I met more girls who were also doing the same thing. And it really felt like a movement, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I love, I love seeing girls just represent themselves. I think there's such a beauty in curves and folds of skin and Mm. dimples and all of it. I just, I love it. I think it's so feminine. It's so sexy. And we should just keep seeing more of it. I'm here for it. I yeah. love the bath ones. Once again, not in a creepy way, but for me, for however long, getting in the bath is probably the my like <laughs> when I feel the least attractive. Do you? Well, no, I think once I'm in, but if I I'm not good with mirrors, mm. and it's I have really good periods where I can do stuff like that, and I feel good and sexy, and then there's other periods where I really struggle. I mean, I um someone I follow who struggles with eating sort of she took away her mirror her full-length mirror and I was having a really bad relapse and I was having meltdowns 
I'd go to leave the house and I'd check again in the mirror and then I'd be like an hour late because I had a full-fledged, fully-fledged meltdown. And it got to the point when the anxiety leaving the house was so much, I couldn't bear it anymore. Mm. So I thought, do you know what? I'll give it a try. I've got a basement. Put the mirror in the basement. And for me at that time, it was the best decision I made because number one, I didn't kind of uh, spend all my time having a meltdown but I also didn't catch it in bad lights good days bad days it was just kind of disappeared and maybe that's something that it was just kind of avoiding the issue which I'm sure part of it probably was that um but I've slowly started to reintroduce it now and it's much more um I don't know there's been a better response from myself I think I mean it's just weird because I know everyone's got their own Mm. issues 100% and and I'm really sorry that you've you know go like it's crazy that that I have to do it yeah Yeah. because I look at you and I just think you're beautiful and I just think you know what could you possibly worry about but then I know that's how I felt that's how other people feel and and it's yeah it's weird um but also what's really interesting so Mm. again before we uh start recording we're talking a bit about OCD yes and I've kind of done my own little research lol into this and I went to therapist and I you know read a lot of about um uh obsessive compulsive disorder because I had it as well and eating disorders everyone who has eating disorders it there there is a depression and or anxiety and also OCD involved oh huge and it's like a triangle so you 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 know you start fixating on yourself that's the OCD and you fixate on your you know so-called flaws again in inverted commas then you have the depression anxiety perhaps that's from external factors perhaps that's that's from you know things out of your control and then there's the food and then obviously with those two combined food is the way that you can control it Mm. and it's um yeah it's interesting it's definitely I mean mine was partially to do with the way I looked and the way I thought I should look and value how much value I was worth from my body Mm. but it was also control is a huge part I mean I've got bipolar and when that started when in my early teens it was the one way, one thing I could totally control. Yeah. But the problem is you start going down that road and it starts to get out of control yeah. in your in the way you do it. And it started off very innocently, maybe not that it's innocent, I'm not encouraging it, but skipping a meal or yeah. um, maybe counting calories and just being a bit more aware, I guess, of what I was consuming to it got to the point that I couldn't even look at food. As you mm. you know, as we've said, you could you don't go out for meals, you stay yeah. in and um even like my food shops I just wouldn't shop yeah wouldn't shop just it would was not like shop so triggering. yeah yeah I had exactly the same thing I um that's how it started off for me as well but also going back to the mental health thing mm. so many mental health disorders can also lead or be triggered yeah for um eating disorders 100%. so for example ADHD um a lot of people that have ADHD suffer with eating disorders mm. or have a uh, have a high heightened um ability to to get one or develop one obviously like you were saying the bipolar thing that can also develop into it so um yeah I mean eating disorders are they're they're very they're very difficult to understand I think if you've never had one and they're just so interesting to break down to a degree Mm. how for you have have people been supportive or helpful for you I mean I'm very lucky I have the most incredible family who've never batted an eyelid of what I of my mental health or whatever bits. They're mm. amazing, and I'm very lucky to have really good friends. But I've also met people along the way who, number one, don't get it and don't want to get it. Yeah. And I've also had friends who don't understand it but desperately try, even though they cannot fathom why, why I do that to myself and mm. why you would 
ever harm yourself in whatever way it was at the time whether it was self-harm this and that which food is a form of you yeah know, self-harm or, yeah exactly or addiction as well exactly it's very much like an addiction how have how have you found i guess over have you how have yeah how family and friends and the response have you found it because i know um, it's not a i know it's not a linear answer yeah it's interesting i think that i as a person i have a habit sometimes of hanging around people that aren't necessarily good for me and again i think that goes down to the that you know self-loathing yeah um you know the people that you surround yourself with should really lift you up and empower you so i try very hard to cut out anyone that makes me feel bad because they are a trigger yeah and they are toxic and i've been in romantic relationships that have been very triggering and that are incredibly toxic where they make you feel very bad about mm. yourself um again friends as well you know girls that you hang around with or, or whoever you hang around with if they're making you feel bad that's not going to also help your mental health. So mm. I like to keep my circle small. Um, I used to be a person that felt, you know, should I have millions of friends? And actually, I'm never going to be one of those people. Um, I prefer to have a handful of really good friends mm. rather than trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, I think cutting people out, actually. Um, and like you were saying earlier about muting or you know unfollowing people on, on social media or whatever it is that can actually really help you in ways yeah. that you don't realize yeah no it's nice to hear and I think I think no I think that's in incredibly important I think we've all had um paired with I don't know whether I've done it to uh, paired with people or, be, or been close with people who maybe I shouldn't have been because I'm enabling myself mm. or if they're enabling me I'm definitely sure there's been a part where I've done it to enable myself into um situations where my mental health gets even worse mm. but it's always interesting how much people's effect you know behavior and it can have on you I mean I'm really lucky my friends like the biggest cheerleaders you know they never make me feel yeah which is devalued or un unworthy or unattractive or anything they're very much like everything you, you do like okay yeah, yeah kind of it's suffocating in some ways, but in like the best way I mean that. Because yeah, but you need that though. Yeah. Those are the kinds of people, women, men, whatever, that you, that you need around you. You don't need anyone. Life's so bloody short. You do not need mm. to be around people who make little digs at you or put you down in public or belittle you in some way or go, oh, you know, that's not very fat. Or, or, or whatever it is. Like, just surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's the right way to go. I think you made a really good point. With Not that. people who suck up to you. No. That's a difference because I've seen that also happen where people hang around, you know, like they, they, they have teams around them or whoever who are just. Won't tell them the truth. Won't tell them the yeah. truth and just say yes, people. That is also really not healthy because you need people to give it to you straight sometimes, but you don't need people who are going to put you down. I think there's a very big difference. Mm. How have the. How has the images. Because you spoke earlier about how the images you want to help others mm -hmm. with it and how it's changed, helped other people. How has it helped you in, in whether it's the way you look at yourself or the way you feel, mm. how has it directly kind of maybe spurred you on or become a play, a safe space almost? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's affected me in a few ways. A lot of people don't get it. And people from the older generation or even girls from my age group, they're like, why would you want to post photos of yourself like that? Mm. Um, for me, it's a really positive thing like I said um, I do it for myself and I think again it's like it's given me a sense of I don't need everyone else's approval so that's the first thing is like just going I'm doing this for me not for mm. you not for anyone else if it resonates with people great but this is more of like a visual diary for me um, it's made me realize that the way you look really isn't the be-all end-all of the world um, of the world I know that I am 
obviously slightly biased in that because I'm, um, you know, I work in fashion, which is a very image-driven uh, world, but I don't think that I put as much emphasis now on my looks or worrying about what other people think of me because I don't care. Mm. You know, like if I show if I show a role or whatever, it just does not bother me. It just, it really isn't bad. And I have so many girls say, you know, oh, you know, I'd be too scared to post that. Why? Why are you scared? Like it's, you know, it's how your body looks. It's how bodies look. Mm. Um, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, no, it's no, really 100%. weird. And, uh, you know, like I said, what, um, my friend passed away, the one that got me into modeling. Mm. And his death really sh- just taught me a huge lesson, which is life is so bloody short. Yeah. I mean, God, the things that we worry about and the things that we take for granted, we really shouldn't be. So if you can just, you know, look at yourself more positively and talk to yourself more positively and just be nicer to yourself, then, I don't know, you're just going to live a much more happier life. And and life is about, I think, about, you know, being loved, loving and just being happy. I think that is that is what life is. Um, It's not about impressing people. It's not about worrying about the way you look all the time. It's not about starving yourself. It's about enjoying food, living life, getting exercise, you know, loving people, being like, you know, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I do. And I think it's it's the, I mean, it's the optimum. I think, as you say, when, when you kind of get moments where you're kind of shaken a little bit about reality of life and it being, yeah. you know, life being short and much more, you know, much more valuable things in in the world. And and I know you know how miserable it is when you're in relapses, wherever your headspace is with that, with food yeah. and eating disorders. It, it, it is a, it is like the most miserable self deflating time so of your life miserable yeah it is it's not it doesn't even become about the way you look actually it's more this self loathing yeah. on a on a scale that most people would never understand it's like mm. you really couldn't care sometimes if you, if you died oh, because 100%. it's just like because that's what it's about it's this self hatred on a level times a million you absolutely hate yourself you don't look at yourself in the mirror because every every time you look at yourself not only do you find bits about yourself you want to pick at and put down but you just think why am i here why am mm. i alive why you know i'm so unworthy of love of attention of of friendship of of anything mm. um and so i think yeah just just learning to love yourself that has probably been the the, the hardest thing yeah. um and and also realizing you know that you're that you're that you are so much more than the way you look you know that you have a brain that you could be an amazing sister an amazing daughter that you could be an amazing partner mm. um you know you could be an amazingly hard worker really successful at work there's just so many more important things than than whether or not you're thin yeah no, definitely. Yeah. Have you seen the industry change? Uh, yes, I have. Um, so I moved to New York. Because uh, do you go between UK um, and New York? At not the so much now after yeah. COVID, but I am yeah. going back a bit more now. I've been back, th- uh, I think, three times this year. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I um, I used to live there for a very long time, uh, five years. And when I first got there, this was at the start of curvier bodies being used in high fashion because back then it was a case of if you're thin and skinny you um and tall or whatever you can do the high fashion yeah if you're curvy you're going to do all the commercial stuff yeah and as i got there some of the more well-known curvier girls were getting vogue covers and they were yeah. doing like all these amazing things so i i kind of came at that time the issue that i had is that i'm never going to be 
plus size I'm just not built that way if you look at my wrist I'm just not mm. going to be plus size but I'm also never going to be super thin anymore and so I kind of created I guess um a market for myself and for a lot of other girls where it was the in-between market yeah. and yeah it was it was a very very interesting time watching the fashion world change after that and and um you know going to castings and being considered too thin or going to other castings and being too big and then finally going to castings as who you are you, versus yeah. then what other people expect from you or putting you into a category that's amazing that that you've kind of I don't know, as you say, just going as you rather than yeah. going as like a criteria. Yeah, I think so. I think that there are still people that, you know, have very old fashioned views about fashion and, and the way that, that women's bodies should look. Um, but there are a lot of people trying to make a really positive change. Mm. And it took a while for that to trickle down into London. Um, it still hasn't really hit France or, mm. you know, some other areas, but it's definitely happening elsewhere. Um, and it is a really positive a positive thing i think like you know the previous fashion week we didn't see nearly as, as enough uh curvier bodies as we should have done um so i'm really hoping that they keep that up i think it's super important because i want to see girls that have curvier bodies wear the clothes i mean we're the ones buying it oh i know there's nothing you know? worse than not being able to kind of when it's you know for me when i see someone who's size four or six and a that's no help. That's no help for me. No, it's not helpful. No help. It's no. like i'm not gonna lie it's my, <laughs> i take pictures at the moment and you're like they're like moving movement's great but then they're like halfway bent over and I'm like oh well I can't even see that yeah. one either like it's it's not a help for anyone and I think it's nice to hear that kind of transparency and that movement that it's going in the right direction mm. I think it is it's just it's important that we don't tokenize these bodies and we go this is a phase you know the plus size movement is a phase or using girls with bigger boobs or slightly a squidgier tummies that's a phase like it should be the norm because I think there are so many gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful, stunning girls who are bigger. It doesn't mean that they're any less model worthy. I think modelling um, and and celebrity and stuff is about, you know, it's, it's obviously about glamour and it's about aspiration and, and, and all those kinds of things. But it's also about seeing someone that looks a bit like you. Yeah. So, you know, when someone like Winnie Harlow um is is showing off her skin which is beautiful Mm. she's stunning in real life or you see you know um paloma alcesa walking down a catwalk and you and you see someone that has your skin color whatever it is it makes you feel better about yourself and i think it only is going to add sales to fashion and and Mm. and add billions to fashion because when when you include more people doesn't mean you have to lose the glamour aspect doesn't mean you have to you know make the photos less um creative or curve um or beautiful or whatever but it just means that you see yourself represented yeah. and that is so important. No, I think you're right. And and yeah, inclusivity and representation is, is the, the kind of big two words about it. Yeah. Um, how was the move then? It, I'm just, before I go on to um, <laughs> Squish, um, how was the move for you? Um, what, to New York? Yeah, was it, did you know people there before? No, was it, I didn't know so anyone. How, I was gonna, I was intri- I'm intrigued as to how... You know, I I wanted to do New York for years ago, and I thought about it, but then the stress of it. How was it stress wise? And I don't know. Well, I finding your feet. Yeah, I um wasn't meant to go. I, I was I went over for three weeks initially. Okay. Um, I got after the Facebook drama, <laughs> the letter thing that I wrote. I got approached by a New York agency, and I'd always been told you're never going to go to New York. And even though it was my dream, it was like you know yeah. you're never going to go. You're too short. You're too big. You're too whatever. Um. So, um, sorry. Um, I just went to my house. It's really dusty. Um, <laughs> uh, I, um, so anyway, I, I went over there for three weeks 
and I loved it it was amazing and then it just so happened that I got dumped at the time so suddenly I had nowhere to go so three weeks led into three months that led into a year and then before you know it five years happened but it was amazing I met so many amazing women um you know I think every person if they can should go move away from their hometown or or do something different Mm. I think it's so important it's such an important life lesson and you realize that nothing changes but when you come back things never change and and you but you do grow and you do see the world and you meet so many amazing people with fascinating stories and and it, you know, it just opens up your world, and yeah. so I, I love it, and I, I love New York still. It's, it's got a real a energy yeah. to it, and yeah. that's what I've always loved. Is it's it's kind of wired the whole time. Yeah, definitely, it has changed a bit since COVID, um, uh, because obviously the the health issue and the healthcare yeah. system over there and everything was awful. But um, but it was amazing, and I'm I would love to go back. Yeah, yeah, to live, live or just yeah, I think to have two short flats. Time. Yeah, yeah, that would that's be like great. The, that's the goal. Oh yeah, when yeah. you can split time. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's the, the dream. dream. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I oh, I love New York. I'm hoping we'll be back there hopefully next early next year. I just adore it, yeah, especially lovely. winter. I'm just like oh, I'm magical. a winter baby. I'm just not really like. Um, oh, I was born in September, but I I'm not like a. I just don't like hot. I like hot weather if I'm in Greece on a beach, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, but I'm like, there. yeah. And the fashion for me, winter fashion is, I think, more versatile. Same, and I love so it. So much better. I love coats. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, I used to be. A, I'm a real coat lady. Yeah, I love coats. Through um, through school, I had uh, with the manics. You go on like impulsions and stuff like that. Mm. And one of my repeating impulsions was um, where you spend money was coats. Oh. I had. I don't even know how many tens on tens of coats, like so many. I've gotten rid of so many of them now through like charity shops or sold them, but I went obscenely, I was obscenely obsessed. Like, I'm trying to get one. Yeah, just like coats constantly. Um, so I love a good coat. You can't. Well, it's a good buy. It's, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an a investment, buy. right? Yes. That's yeah, what yeah, I tell yeah. myself. It's an investment. It's if like you were like buying buy... goldfish on a yeah. planet, you know, it might be a bit, it might be a bit different, but at least you're getting, it, This getting is what I tell sport. myself when I buy nice, you know, designer shoes and handbags. <laughs> so it's just, it's an investment. <laughs> I don't know if it actually quite is all the time, <laughs> but we, we roll with it. Um, something I really think we should touch on is obviously, um, well, we can speak about the books as well, mm-hmm. um, because you wrote you've written two books. Yes, and one of them's more of a memoir, which is Miss Misfits. Yes. Um, what? Where were you? I guess headspace wise, when you were like, I need to write this. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, I'd written my children's book yes. first, and um, I Penguin heard down the grapevine, I guess, that I was doing it, and then they said that they're looking for a book on eating disorders. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because obviously there are no books that I could find. It was very no, hard trying to research really for it, um, trying to talk about eating disorders and why they develop. So it was more, it is a memoir, but it's also, um, or a memoir up until that time. Um, but there was also, yeah, just uh, just me trying to work out where these disorders starting. And, you know, I was I was quite a naughty child. Um, I never felt really understood. So I think there was lots of reasons there. Mm. Um, I think there are bits of the book that I'd probably change now if I could. I'd love to do another one. Yeah. Um, and I am writing another children's one, actually, as we speak at the moment. But, um, yeah, it was, I, I, it was such a therapeutic experience and it was really cathartic and and I loved it. And just having holding your book at that, you know, in your hand is just yeah. amazing. It's yeah. an incredible opportunity to have as well, I think. And... Um, 
I agree with you. There's not there wasn't really many books um available. In fact, there's not in a lot of areas. I know it's improving and you see a lot of um fictional storylines based on things, but um I don't really me growing up as a teen there was nothing really on bipolar, there was nothing on yeah. Ints or just wasn't covered. Um well, mental health was yeah. so scary. I mean it still is to a lot of people that don't understand mm. it, but I think it's wonderful, you know, women like you talking out about it or or trying to let other people understand it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I'm sure you you completely understand from doing the books you've done and also the squished and everything you do is that you can't bear the repeat for someone else. I mm. think that's what it is. And I have, uh, her name's Helen. She's basically like a little si- sister to me. We've grown up next door to each other and she's eight years younger. And when she was growing up, I had this huge overwhelming fear that she was going to become a teenager and what if she got unwell? What if she wanted to do what I tried to do, the suicide attempts, all of that. And it terrified me. It terrified me more than it happening to me. Mm. And um, as much as I do this, you know, for myself in many ways, you never want, I don't know, you always have that hope that if there's one person who resonates, hears it and feels they can either reach out for the help or less, you know, awful, then it's kind of, for me, that's what, what the accomplishment is yeah in a way and being able to do the books must have been I mean as well and I think I love the fact that you've done you know the the misfits has kind of got a bit of research into it because I'm a firm believer that if you understand have some understanding of your illness or whatever it might be illness you know things you've gone through then you can start to deal with it Uh, yeah definitely well actually that's really interesting because I had again the OCD I've had OCD in so many different forms yeah I, I during times of stress I get intrusive thoughts really yeah. badly and that was not written about when I was younger no, and I genuinely thought that I was going insane mm. like why am I having these thoughts if I would speak about my thoughts openly my family I think were like what you know because it was yeah. just like what is going on and then when I started getting therapy for my eating disorders there was a book that spoke about intrusive thoughts and it was like oh my god finally finally like I get it oh my god it makes so much sense and when you realize that's what it is and that it is actually just the chemicals in your brain are a bit messed up during that day um, or during that time you you can kind of take a step back and go okay it's not real you know but when you're actually in it it is terrifying it's extreely terrifying I always struggled with ones um that the intrusive thoughts on harm harm mm. to others if I didn't do that thing or if I didn't yes, do I this that right well. yeah. that people were going to die yeah yeah if and you it's step on a crack yeah or something, and or... it's not like oh it's just that thought it's it's seriously real yeah and yeah it's terrifying and then it gets worse and it gets worse and as you say it's like a spiral before you kind of hit a wall with it um yeah. but you're right there was nothing I just thought number one it was normal for me but it was abnormal like yeah. no one else had this it was just yeah. crazy but it just ignore the crazy yeah, yeah. for as long as you can. I mean, I had that for a while with um, praying when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd been, I'm not Catholic, but I'd been to a Catholic school mm. and religion was really um, at the forefront of it, obviously. And uh, it used to kind of scare me because it was a bit of a rough area. And instead of calling the police round, if, if there was like a, you know, a kid that had been really naughty, they'd send the, pr- the priest round. Oh, and the family would be like, oh my God, you know, the priest is coming round. You're going to be in so much trouble. And so religion was like really important. Mm. And um, I think I, I started to think that if I didn't pray or, or 
repent my sins mm. that I would be a going to hell or that bad things would happen so you know I'd be praying all the time and then my dad caught me on a summer holiday because I knew what I was doing was weird mm. but I would like go underneath the water at the swimming pool and do father son holy spirit over and over and over again and, and be sorry god for thinking x even mm. though your brain would make you deliberately think of x so that you could what's the word that there is a word for it um not rectify it but that there is a pre- prevention kind of not prevention it's like um with, with ocd and i'm just going to really annoy me now with ocd it's you um you obviously have the thought yeah and then you have to um do the thing to get rid of that thought. oh well it, yeah it it's not prevention is not the right word. What is the word? That's going to really wind uh, me up. But there is, but there is a, a psychological yeah, word yeah. for it. So anyway, I would I would be doing the praying in order to erase that thought and yeah. erase that thing. And my dad caught me and then he actually sat me down and was like, you yeah. can stop doing this. Yeah. Like, just this is just a thought. Um, and, I, and then it kind of went away for a bit. But it's come in various different forms throughout, yeah. throughout my life. It, and it does. And I think that's the thing about OCD. People think it's in, in people think it's mainly cleaning, um, yeah, no, and it's something not. like that. And cleaning it's, was it's, one. I think cleaning definitely yes. has its part in it. Part in it. I I'm pretty obsessive with that. Yeah. Um. But I had a thing with jinxing. Oh yeah. I was the thoughts that came with if I joked about me like you know when someone's like oh you know we've got to be careful with that I might get hit by you know I oh it could happen yeah anything that could happen that you're kind of and then mm. touching wood, mm. like constantly I would, and if I didn't do that, the, the thought process was that yeah. I was going to die yeah. um, or others. I was jinxing others' lives and it got so out of hand. I mean, I'm quite lucky that in good periods, it's quite limited. It's just little things here and there, um, mainly like thinking intrusive thoughts. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but leaving things on the hob. and um, Oh, yeah, like leaving straighteners on or yeah, something. Yeah, unplugging them, making sure everything's unplugged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's... At a level I can manage. And I think part of OC, you know, you have to find a level that is management mm. um, with it. But it's amazing when you have books and you're able to read these things and, and understand and have that, I don't know, I think education on it is extremely, like, an, like a wealth of currency in a way. Like yeah. it's, it helps. I know I'm logical. Once I understand something, I can put things into place on my fixer. Yeah, and, and if I can't yeah. fix things, at least I know what's going on. I think I'm the same, actually. Like the, the minute I kind of understand, oh, actually, that's what this is, yeah. then I can kind of deal with it. You can breathe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, eating disorders, obviously, bulimia as mm. well is a massive OCD. Hugely. It's just huge OCD. It's like, if I do not make myself sick, everything yeah. is going to go wrong and I'm not going to be able to cope. Yeah. The one thing that really helped me with that was just letting time go and actually just breathing because, yeah. you know, with, with bulimia, when you stop and you take a step back and you go, oh, actually an hour's gone past and I haven't done it. Oh, two hours it's gone past. Exactly. Oh, actually a night's gone past. And then the, the urge the urge to do it is, and the compulsion to Completely. do it is, is gone. And a lot of it, you, without going too much into detail, like you, you do base it on... Um, minutes and time and, yeah, and this do. and that and it's very dependent on that and how many water a lot of yeah. things go into it yeah i think people have this idea that you just go and you know it's just sick. yeah and that's it no it's and not it's, it's not. a ritual it's it is like, a ritual you know behavior with it it's yeah. very ritualistic it is out kind of it's very strange i think i always thought that if someone was watching me people knew what i was doing mm. i'm pretty sure you know and a lot of friends and family know it was or knew it was when it's happening especially now i'm older and i'm more open about it but you think at the time, <laughs> I never thought someone was particularly paying too much attention for a lot of it, um, which 
don't think that was I think people were really aware yeah um once I'd kind of been more honest about it yeah yeah um but you're right having that kind of ritual letting time go I think it's a really good bit of advice Mm -hmm. I think for people to kind of get past that few minutes or whatever it is and and then go oh well it's too late and just you know yeah not not just bulimia you know if it's like you know washing your hands or having to cleanse your hands or something i yeah. had that with hand sanitizer which was great by the way for when covid happened <laughs> okay. so, like, kept the bugs yeah all the hand sanitizer available but um yeah i think if that uh if, if you just let time go past mm. actually you that that was one of the best um, resources or things that i learned was lockdown difficult because um i found lockdown quite hard with it and I know I've seen a lot of statistics recently um, about, you know, kind of teenage years and, and kids um, coming into therapy more with, with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of them are probably struggling from lockdown and thinking, oh, God, this is like a never ending situation. Mm-hmm. Did you I mean, how have you found ways to cope over the years? Are there certain things you go to do? Um, I mean, eat it. Uh, so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. During COVID, actually, it wasn't as bad for me as it was for other people. Mm. I think that I, I actually lived with my parents oh, um, okay, during yeah. that time. So I had three set meals a day, yeah. um, which I quite liked having a routine. Um, and, you know, it kind of became a bit of survival instinct. I did actually write an article on it, though, because I think a lot of people did struggle with it. And a lot of mm. eating disorders did develop because when you're just bored and living on your own, for example, or, or you don't have many people to talk to, or, or you have so much free time, you just start obsessing. Yeah. So I think that it did develop for a lot of people. For me, it didn't. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, I just found it a bit difficult in general. It was very, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, yeah. you know, of um, not knowing when the fuck this was going to end. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when are we going to go back to normal? For me, it was like dating. I was like, I'm never going to marry anyone. I'm never going to meet anyone. I'm going to be stuck with my mum and dad for like three years. Um, it's interesting because I spent six months with my parents in lockdown, the first one shielding. And in a way, although it was tough, they fit to my routine, but having their presence and them, you know, with the, the meal times and routine, they, I mean, when I went there, I said to them, look, you've got to adapt a bit to my, my schedule, otherwise I'm going to freak out, yeah, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And they did, they adapted really well, but it that was helpful, I guess. If someone hadn't been putting three meals, you know, whilst I stay there, I cooked, but like mostly, I don't, I think it would have been worse. I think yeah. you're right. It was quite nice though, actually having that. It felt like, that kind of gave you something to do. And I think when, you know, when it comes to work, for example, mm. um, I'm a freelancer, obviously you are, I think as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you are. Um, I had just having a schedule every day. That's so important. Like yeah. knowing what time your dinner time is going to be, knowing that you're going to maybe watch a show in the evening, whether mm. it's EastEnders or whatever it is. Yeah. Just having that routine that can really help you if you're going through a stressful time. Yeah. No. million percent and actually during that time it actually worked out really quite well for me um I, i've never been the kind of person that could work in an office um oh, but <laughs> yeah i've been fired from some jobs from that before because it just doesn't work for me but um just having a routine whether or not you're a freelancer or not that's amazing yeah it's hugely important i'm a big stickler for routine i'm not very good at breaking it that's my yeah <laughs> my problem um let's let's talk about squish because yeah. this is you know your baby and I know what it's like when you start something, it, it is your baby. Like for me, I don't have time relationships or, or I find going out really difficult because it's it's my baby that I'm trying to grow and it takes a lot of time and energy and love and nurturing. Um, it's very stressful, good and bad. <laughs> it's quite stressful, And 
when you I'm lucky when I started this properly my dad was like it's gonna be really hard work he was really straight up front with me like it's not easy it's going to be really hard work what was the the moment that you kind of the conception talk to me about the conception of squish yeah so i um i love skincare i've always really struggled with my skin great skin i was thinking about this earlier by the way well no i've 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 been on medication for my skin i've had you know Mm. every facial under the sun to try and clear it up it's it's been a a struggle basically my skin and um and ethan saw has actually made it a lot worse as well because it triggers off your hormones blah Mm -hmm. blah blah another subject so anyway i um really struggled with my skin and so I really look into ingredients and things like that and I'd heard and tried out from uh in in New York I tried these acne patches and I thought god these yeah. are really they're a good idea but they're really ugly yeah so I thought oh my god these would be so cute if they were flowers um and so I developed them with my then boyfriend at the time and I was like let's add a little crystal and he was like really I was like yeah it'd be so cute I was like you don't they get are it. Cute. Be so cute they're like pretty yeah, they're like, like pretty. you don't find stuff like that really yeah because I was like you know imagine like if you're dating someone and you're really embarrassed about your skin you could just put a flower on your on your acne and then you'd be like making it into a joke and yeah. again I, I guess going back to you know what I do on Instagram it's like bringing attention to it but it's cute and we have so many girls who wear them out in the street they yeah. wear them a lot to festivals like but they wear them you know just out and about to the shops because they're just cute they're versatile people, yeah and people ask what they yeah. are and they're like oh, for my skin they're like oh that's so cute um so anyway I created that with him and then I also developed some uh cherries that go underneath your yeah. eye which are made from this like squidgy uh, material yeah they're and, great though yeah they they just really depuff your face yeah. and um me and Ben, my ex, we, we drew them out on a post-it note and we designed it. But he's great. I mean, he's so supportive. He's one of my best friends. And and we, we really went through um, like a lot together learning yeah. about a business. But it was amazing it, amazing having it with him and, and and building it with him, yeah. Being able to share it is nice. I mean, I have a, uh, my co-director, Jade. Um, she came on board and it's been wonderful. Oh, it's so important. Not doing it on your... You know, yeah. I started it on my own, but her coming on board, even just to have like someone else's voice when I'm thinking I'm going crazy or if I think something's a really stupid idea or um I mean when we started the magazine I remember calling her this one lockdown I've got I've got a great idea and she was like thinking apparently she was like oh god here here comes another crazy idea reach for the stars (laughs) I was like we're gonna do a magazine I've always wanted to do this you know this and she was like okay and we did it but like having her it it, I mean it is and and but having that like almost partner in crime you know I have days good days where I ring her and I have bad days where I'm like I need you to tell me this is all going to be okay and that this is a good idea and and it's also good to have someone's honest opinion yeah definitely. you know and have someone who's going to give it to you straight I think obviously things didn't work out romantically of me and Ben but like as a friend I mean we work so well together it's like oh my God, and all the things that I can't do, he can do and vice versa. Like I'm, I'm very much the creative mind. Mm. And I'm like, let's do this. And he's like, oh God. But then like, you know, he'll throw in ideas, but then he's very, very good with like the legal side, which I would be really, def- I yeah. would not be able to do. I call my dad. Uh, the money side, <laughs> the, you know, working out all the, like the, the logistics. I've forgotten, mm. why can I not speak to say All the logistics. Um, so yeah, like he's absolutely fa- fantastic at yeah. that. And so having a partner is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been huge, ex- huge success. Yeah, it's been it's been great. He's fabulous. It's amazing, and I think props to you. I just think, I think when you create something, that's why. I mean, I never wanted to create a company or anything like that. I I actually really 
despised the idea. Mm. Um, and weirdly enough, my lecturer, um, Lando Pratt, she, she, on my uh, graduation day, she came to see me and my mum and my dad. And she was like, oh, um, give up the music. Don't, don't bother with the music. It's just going to be a waste of time. I think she was like, you're going to start a company. I can just see it. And I laughed in her face. I literally laughed in her face. I was like, I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. Yeah. And then lo and behold, like You've a year it. later, I did. I was like, oh, maybe she was on something. But um, yeah, leveling up is is hard work as well. We've done it a few times. Yeah. But you have to, you know, grow something a bit more and change things and tweak things and, yeah. and say, well, where are we going next kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But the products are, are amazing. The response you've had is amazing. I mean, they've been sold in like prominent stores. Yes. So Harrods, way to put it. Um, Nordstrom in the US, Anthropology. Absolutely amazing. Um, where else? Was it like so, a pinch, so pinch me moment when yeah. these came through and you're like, you know, moments you get a call and then you're like jumping in your front room and it's already yeah, exciting. it's great because it's something that you've literally designed on a yeah. post-it note that people are wearing, you know, on their face or whatever. It's really cool. We're actually in the Liberty windows and that yes. was really amazing, like walking down the street. I saw and, them. Yeah, and seeing amazing. them, it was really cool. And it was just all these different things. It was just amazing. It, yeah, I, I, I'm a really big believer of just making things happen. And when I get mm. an idea, I make it happen. Yeah. I guess that's probably a bit of the OCD element. Oh, yeah. But if I have to do it i will one million percent oh yeah make it happen my friends say that about me i'm a i'm a doer but it's good if i think of something i want to do it i'll i'll make it work it's almost like i have to do it if i don't scratch that itch it's gonna yeah. really piss me off if i don't so yeah, and i'd rather give things a go in life than not because what's that quote it's like it's like you won't um worry about not starting it you'll mm. regret not doing, doing it. it yeah yeah exactly that would be the worst thing my dad's been very on like you know he's great he's a great businessman he's amazing at that so that's i'm really lucky to have someone i can turn to and ask for advice i'm Mm. so fortunate um but yeah i think when you create it's an interesting interesting journey a journey a lot of you know sleep lost i will admit that but a lot of stress, excitement, though, like, but the excitement, yeah. yeah, the excitement and the the thrill you get when you see it working and yeah, doing and well, yeah. yeah. Although I, one thing I wish I'd kind of been a bit kinder to myself is about that things do go wrong and things do oh, fail. Yes. I don't know, fails not is a harsh word but I always thought that for me with my perfectionism, it, I had to avoid that. I cannot yeah. have any of that. When actually, I think my mum's always like, "Well, that's where you learn." You're not going to know shit if you don't have these little moments. I think, yeah, I think failing, people view failure as like a really bad thing. And myself, I was exactly the same as you. I was like, you know, failure was my biggest thing. Like, even now, I'm still very like, I can't fail. Yeah. And actually, this is where we learn things from. And actually, when you take a step back, sometimes it's not the be all end all of the world. Unless you've murdered someone, then it's probably not a great thing. (laughs) But like, you know, if if you're actually just making a few hiccups along the way, you shouldn't view them as as always bad it can sometimes lead on to something better oh 100 percent. you like navigate your mind or or change your thought process and stuff into into understanding something a bit differently 100 percent. our things that have gone maybe not the way we might have wanted it to or some things which to other people would be fine but maybe to me aren't um I think those moments have been more pivotal because mm. we've learned a huge amount from them. Yeah. Um, and something I love about Squish is, is the campaigns you've done, oh, which you. links yeah. back to earlier what we were talking about in how you've represented all shapes and sizes, races. You know, you've really had that focus on that inclusivity and having people see people that they feel 
they belong to and rep- yeah yeah and represented that was, that was really important to me um i and actually cost us one of the that was probably one of the most expensive things that we yeah. did um but that was very important to me you know our, our product line isn't isn't massive but i was like there is no point bringing out acne patches and just shooting them on girls with flawless skin yeah it's just it it doesn't make sense no. i was like why would you do that so we had a girl come in um who again like i said earlier she she posts pictures of all her acne and she's stunning and like her mum had been like a beauty queen or so or, like missed something missed mm. one of the one of the states one of the americas <laughs> yeah and um and she was she she shot these things on her skin and i was like again this is what i want to see it's so important mm. um we've got girls from like a size double zero to a size us 26 or something it was just it's so important that you see diverse body shapes and i just think beauty you know the beauty industry should be accessible to everyone and everyone wants to feel pretty everyone wants to feel good and it was just amazing and that gave me the biggest thrill of seeing those images and seeing girls that didn't look like me but necessarily but girls you know some of them did look like me in there or or had skin complaints or whatever it was and i was like yes this is what i want to see there were some people of course you know who said oh you know these images are very sexual because oh, because yeah, we got them, you know, we because we had no money when we set it up. I said, <laughs> "Can you please bring some clothes in these colours along yeah. with you?" And a lot of the girls, because they're models, they would bring the cool clothes. And New York's obviously, you know, yeah. it's, it's so colourful, and everyone's style like is dressed amazingly. And they bring these clothes, and I'm like, "But they want to be shot in bras. Yeah. They want to be shot a bit." But why does it have to be sexual? Like people need to bore off like as as straightforward as that I can be in a statement you need to bore off because just because someone isn't you know in underwear or even naked it doesn't have to be sexual well honestly well this is my biggest thing (laughs) because obviously I do that I do that and people are like oh you know is it sexual I'm like there's a very there's a massive difference between being naked versus you know being pornographic yeah and um yeah it's just so bizarre to me but I personally love the female form I love seeing women represent themselves and like and showing who they are. And also, I don't think it's anti-feminist to want to be sexualized. I think it's like no. a whole other subject. But you know, we talk about feminism like you know you you cannot pose for the male gaze. You cannot be, um, you know, you can't over over sexualize yourself because it brings down the movement. It brings down. The fi- I completely disagree. Actually, yeah, I've met you know page three models whose lives now you know they haven't got a job because other women got offended on the fact mm. that they were undressing and actually what's wrong with wanting to sexualize, sexualize yourself if you want to surely that's yeah. your fem your, your choice as a female but but wearing a bra and just you know having fun with it on a photo is really not as offensive as, no. as people seem to think it is it's bizarre but there are way more offensive things yeah my um, mum's always said if you know do what's right for you as long as you're not ma- you know massively like hurting someone yeah don't hurt people then it's but fine if you're doing it for you yeah exactly. then do it yeah but I, well, I thought that I thought it was a really debate. yeah, that it could, could be, be. another show. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was a beautiful campaign, oh, and people you. not only need to see themselves in a reflection, but they probably I think you should want to see that. Yeah, I do think I do. it's important and to to normalize it. Which the fact that it's not even normalized when it's a normal body anyway is is just bizarre. But um, Mm-mm. no, but I I love that. And what I mean, what's coming for you? What are you hoping to do? Obviously, we're coming towards the end of the year. Oh my god, God forbid! Um, How is it November? I, I, I feel don't like I've blacked out for half of this Literally, year. Literally, <laughs> what is going on? Like woken up, um, and I don't really believe in the whole, 
you know, resolutions, I believe in kind of um, achievable goals mm. is the best way to put it. And Me I don't too, also yeah. believe in saying, oh, what are you planning to do in 10 years? Because I don't fucking know I what I'm know. doing in 10 I years. I literally don't know what happened last week. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, but I'm what like would going. you, instead of what you think you're going to, what would you hope? What is something you'd like to see or do next year or in the next few weeks that maybe is something to do with Squish? It could be the book you're writing or it could be online. And for you, what you know, I I know oh, you want to help have... people and, and that's so, so clear and apparent. What is something you want to do for you? It could be anything. It could be I going really on holiday. I want to or... be getting into acting, actually. Yeah? Um, I love acting. It's so much fun. And so that's what I've been working towards for a while. Amazing. I, I really love it. I'm speaking it out into existence. Manifest. Ma- manifest. I love manifesting. It's just what I love doing. I yeah. love acting. So I'm going to do that. Um, for me, I love my job. So that yeah. is part of doing things for me and, mm-hmm. and my pleasure. No, 100%. So, so Squish, there's so many things on the horizons for Squish that I'm working on at the moment. Um, my mind is constantly in overdrive all the time. So there's so many fingers in different pies. But yeah, finish this book. I think that'd be great because that has been taking me literally ages to do. Oh my God, your <laughs> mind goes off on one or you yeah. get distracted. But there's so many things. That's amazing though. So many things. And there's, I, there's I, a I lot love of exciting it. things, yeah. Wow, there you go. I'm going to keep an eye out. No, thank you. I mean, I always have my eyes open. Well, I stay there, but you never know. But thank you so much for for speaking with me and speaking so honestly. No, thank you Um, for having me. I think you're great. And I think, like, you know, the magazine's great, the podcast's great. I'm I'm very honoured to be on it. So thank you. Thank you. Honestly, we're hoping for, you know, we'll see what happens next year. It'll, it'll I'm gonna be jinx great. anything and take from that conversation earlier. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, I know, I know from speaking to people what the things you've done, whether it's the, the posting the images online or um, we do a lot of research, believe it or not. <laughs> we love and um, it it's helped a lot of people. I know that for a fact. Oh, so thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.